Welcome to the USF Oracle Sports Podcast, where we talk sports with some of USF's best athletes, coaches, and all-around great human beings. My name is Richard Silva. And I'm Francisco Rosa. Let's get into it. Hey Bulls fans, and welcome back to the first Oracle Sports podcast of the semester. Uh, we'll be talking basketball on this podcast, but before we get into that, I just figured we'd introduce ourselves. We're the new hosts for the podcast this year, me and um, Richard Silva and Francisco Rosa. We're the two sports co-editors this semester at the Oracle, and we'll be with you hosting the pod for the rest of the semester and beyond. So without further ado, here we go. Hey everyone, excited to, to be hosting this podcast. Um, Nolan and Hannah did some great work with it, but we're excited to be taking over and bring you guys a lot of exciting sports content. Yeah, for sure. Um, for the first pod, we're going to talk about kind of the midseason point for both the men's and women's basketball teams. But before we get into specifics about each, we just wanted to kind of talk about the overarching theme of both of them right now over the past two weeks is that, like, I think each of them have had like three or four games canceled now. They're, the men haven't played since January 9th. The women haven't played since January 13th. It's just not good. Yeah, it seems like we're saying that it's the midpoint of the season, but who knows that there's going to be an end point right now. It seems like we haven't had a game in weeks. Um, haven't had my fill of Bulls basketball in a while and really missing it. Um, it was something that I was really looking forward to, ex- especially because the women's team has been on fire lately and we just haven't been able to see them in action now that we're back on campus that was one of the things I was really looking forward to but hopefully things work themselves out but right now it's not a not a really good situation over here I was actually just talking about that with some of my family that I'm a bit concerned that like if the rest of the season is going to happen and it would be such a shame like for the men definitely but also for the women this you know they're number 14 the highest ranking ever in the history of the program this is like a real this is this team's got a real shot to not only win the AAC title, but also just be the best women's USF basketball team ever. And it'd be such a shame if they didn't get a chance to, one, win the uh, conference, and two, go on to the tournament. Yeah, they, they've been one of the, the dominant teams, not just, not just at USF, but in the country when it comes to, to women's basketball. Um, they've, been, they've been incredible. Um, hopefully we'll be able to see them finish it out because who knows how much higher they can climb. They're, they're running on a perfect season right now, and hopefully we'll be able to see them. Well, perfect conference season, but um, hopefully we'll be able to see them finish it out because it's a treat that I think we should all we should all be excited to look forward to because they've been playing some really good basketball since the beginning of the season. Yeah, and not only – so like 10-1 and 1 is impressive regardless, but not only are they 10-1, and 1, they're like – they're working the teams that they're supposed to work. They're like beating teams by 20. Like it's not even close. Yeah. Conf- the conference has kind of been, I don't want to say that it's just been really easy for them. Like it just seems, it seems effortless. Like they just come out there with the confidence and Bulls fans. Like when you watch the games, you just have a feeling like this team is going to win this game. When you watch them, they're confident when they take shots 
all the time on defense and offense. They just, they look like the best team on the floor and they play like it. And, you know, it's shown since the beginning of the season, they knocked down a top 10 opponent in, in Mississippi State. They push another one in the reigning champions, Baylor, to, to, to the wire. And they have been one of the best teams in the country. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a deep tournament run if, if the tournament does happen, because who knows what the state of the world right now. Right. And the great thing with them is I would say like at this point, and I guess we could just start with, um, start talking about that. We've already started talking about the women's team first, so we'll continue with that. But I think the great thing for them is Pinzon's probably been the team MVP through the first half of the season team leader, but they've had games where different players take off and lead them. I, like I heard Will Turner say this to um, coach Fernandez in a, a post-game press conference. He was like, it's almost like you guys just spin a wheel before the game starts to see who's going to have the best game. Like that, there's just so much talent. It, it's it's the mark of a great team because they just don't depend on one player. Like like a couple weeks ago, it seemed like Betty Manunga was just gonna run away with being the best player on this team. She had a twenty and twenty game, and and th- that's rare to see on right. the college level a twenty twenty game. But she she accomplished that. But then. You know, Pinzon comes back a couple weeks later and drops 14 assists. And then Maria Alvarez can go out there and drop 23 coming off the bench, which is just crazy. Or Elena Chinecki could go out and drop 31 points. So they are just getting contributions all over the court. And it's not even just scoring. Like, Like, yes, getting buckets is a big part of the game. We all know that. But, you know, it's Shea Leverett, even though she's not putting up monster points every night, but just her efforts on the board, her and Bethy Manunga down low has been a big catalyst for this team and, and getting them out of transition and, and pushing the ball. So they're just getting contributions in every way from on every part of the floor. Now that I think that we've kind of like introduced our excitement about it, I think we should kind of, um, so earlier this week, we both wrote, you know, midseason report cards for both teams. I, I wrote one for the women, you wrote one for the men. So I think we should kind of like, um, for those that haven't read it, if you want to go onto the Oracle's website, they're posted there if you want to read them. Shameless plug. But um, <laughs> um, we're just going to delve into some of our picks. We we dove into, you know, what were some of the best games and some of the best players that both teams have had this season. So we're going to dive right into that. Yeah, so... so- you could um you could introduce the women's because you wrote yeah. that. Yeah, so we'll just keep on diving into the number 14 team in the country right now and the USF women's basketball team. Um, so we really started talking about what was what has been the game of the year so far. And without a question, it's the win over Mississippi State. Mississippi State was ranked number six at the time. They're number 19 now. But at the time when USF played them, they were a top 10 team in the country. And they're one of just the perennial powerhouses in women's basketball. They're constantly making Final Fours, Elite Eights. So USF knocked them down 67-63 on December 5th. And not only did they beat them um, 67-63, they did it just four days after they lost to Baylor in a nail-biter at the Yingling Center. So it just showed this team's resilience. Um, it was a it was a real back and forth game. Um, it was a roller coaster ride of emotions. Um, 
they ended up going to overtime tied at 60. And, you know, USF just, just played really good defense on the stretch in overtime. They only allowed Mississippi State to score three points in, in those five minutes of overtime. It forced them into three turnovers, and, and they were just able to come out with the win. And what's so monumental about this win, and it just speaks volumes about how good this team is, it's the first top 10 win, like the first victory over a top 10 team in USF history. So it just speaks to how good this team has been. And since, and this game kicked off the current winning streak that they are that they're on. So like nine straight, this is the first one. So I think it's easily the game of the year. Yeah, and you were talking about like how well they played in overtime. They didn't let uh, Mississippi State hit a field goal in the entire overtime period. The only points they scored came at the line. They hit three uh, three free throws. Um, and even for USF, they um they shot one for six in overtime, but they got to the line and they made their free throws. Um, but yeah, just like you said, how good the team is and how great of a, a win that was, especially following the loss to Baylor. Because I remember I wrote an article about previewing kind of the Baylor and Mississippi State games together. And I said, like, you know, a win or at least being competitive in either of them will probably draw some national attention. And they, I believe they started off, they were definitely, I know they were unranked uh, in the preseason poll in the AP poll, but I believe they got one vote in the AP poll. And now, like you said, they're number 14. And I think this was the real turning point. Baylor might have like, I don't know, like turned, turned some heads, drew some eyes, but being Mississippi state, I think like put them on the map and then they just took off from there. Yeah. I think, I think it was criminal that they weren't included in the, the top 25 rankings. Like there's just talent oozing off this team. Um, maybe it's because last year, um, USF was really banged up, a lot of injuries. You know, Maria Alvarez was out for the year. A couple of other team leaders, Elisa Pinzon, was struggling with, like, a ankle injury for most of the year last year. So I think that's why people kind of underestimated them coming into the season. But, um, yeah, this game definitely brought the team national attention. And, um, and ever since then, they've just been ascending and getting better and better. So this was, this was really impressive. And the thing is that, the thing that astounds me about USF is that they're not a team that scores a lot of points in the paint. You would think with with Bethy Mononga and Shea Leverett down there, it'd be a lot of of points in the paint. But against Mississippi State, they only had fourteen of their of their sixty seven points in the paint. So it just shows their versatility. But if you want to, you can dump it down to to Bethy or Shea down there, and they'll. They'll get you buckets, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Bethy, Bethy's a really good post player, and so is Shea. A lot of moves that they can that they can put on posing centers or forwards. So um shows their versatility. They can score at all three levels. Exactly. And uh that's all I gotta say about the the Mississippi State game if you want to move on to the next category. Okay, so then um we did we're gonna go with um with a poor performance of the year, but we decided that that's kind of negative and we didn't want to do that because they've just been such a positive team all year. So we called it the heartbreak of the year. And that one happened four days before the Mississippi State game. Um, we mentioned it before. It was the game against Baylor. Baylor was ranked number four at the time when they came to Tampa to to take on USF. And USF really pushed them, pushed them to their limits. 
you know, Baylor ended up sneaking out with the 67-62 win. But at certain points during the first half, it really looked like like USF might have been the better team. They were just out hustling them. Um, they forced Baylor to go oh for for eleven from three. I'm pretty sure they they were ice cold. You know, the during times in the second half, it looked like USF might have been fading a little bit, but then Maria Alvarez showed up and just lit the world on fire, dropping 18 points off the bench. Um, so they had a really tough time containing her, and she kind of brought them back into the game when it kind of looked like they might have been losing some traction. And then um, what ha- what ended up happening was that the, that the Bulls, they played really good defense in the first half, um, really shut them down. But in the second half, they just, there was too many points in the paint. Um, Baylor just, just showed off with their size down low. They allowed 44 points in the paint. And, and Queen Egbo, Baylor center, she just she was just going to work down there, getting offensive rebounds, putting them back in, and she got she ended up with twenty five points, and most of them came in the paint in the post. So USF had a tough time containing her down low, um, but I cannot say enough about USF's effort that night and how they fought to get back into the game until the final buzzer. And you know, you would think after a loss like that or you have one of the best teams, one of the best programs in the country under Kim Mulkey, you, you would think that that would kind of like bring them down, make them hang their heads. But no, they came out right the next game, gets another top 10 team in the country and took them down, you know? So their fight cannot be overstated. Yeah, and like you said, we were going to call it um poor performance of the year, but we figured that was kind of unfair because it wasn't a poor performance. It was exactly. a heartbreak loss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you kind of covered everything. I don't have much to say about it besides Queen Egbo was doing her thing down there. Like you said, tw- she finished with 25 and 11. And Nasty. yeah, I think um, they were down one at halftime and then they ended up losing by five. But yeah, like you said, it was just the defense and Queen Egbo doing her thing. And, and another point that I wanted to make is that those two games are I think both games are really important for USF, the Mississippi State game and the Baylor game, because if USF is going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, they are going to find themselves in a lot of, you know, a lot of tough battles, you know, back and forth, really close games against, you know, once you get into, into March, those are the best 64 teams in the country. Oh, I was going to say, not only that, like not only preparation for games like that, but also I think even with the loss, if they had, if they had scheduled two unranked opponents, uh, whatever schools and had beaten them and were what they're 10 and one right now, if they were 11 and oh, I don't think they'd be as high as number 14 and be given the respect that they have already. Exactly. Yeah. So I think those games are huge. And I think going back to the whole tournament thing is that when they come up in games where, you know, they go down at some point during the second half and you you might be feeling like, oh my gosh, it's happening, it's happening. I think this team has been through those battles, you know, where they had to come back at the end against Mississippi State to force overtime. I think they've had experience with those two games now that they will be confident going into those scraps in March to be able to come out. And, and 
I don't think there are any limits to where this team can go. Um, in the preseason preview, I was talking about they're at least a Sweet 16 team. I think I was undershooting them when I called that because they have just been spectacular from start to finish. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they have a ceiling. I think that this guy's the limit. So moving into my next category is one of the things I'm most – the people that I'm most excited to talk about. Um, surprise player of the year. And it's Maria Alvarez. Um, the thing is that if if you watched a good amount of USF women's basketball last season, um, if you watched Maria Alvarez play, you wouldn't be surprised by what she's doing right now. Um, she played 15 games, but she was she proved herself to be one of the better offensive players on the team. You know, she she would she was able to score a lot of points in a lot of minutes in a game against VCU. She she just went off. I remember being there in person. And I was just mesmerized by how well she shot the ball and, and was able to create offense. Um, but after 15 games last season, she suffered a, a season-ending knee injury. And for any athlete, that's that's tough to come back from. So I think what's really surprised me the most has been how well she's been able to to bounce back from that injury and look like her, her old self and even better than that. Because she was, she was a good... She was a good shooter last year. She is. She has solidified herself as USF's resident sniper. Yeah. She leads the AAC in three point percentage. She's knocking down forty five percent of her threes, which is which is crazy, and which is four points higher than she was last year. So that's a huge jump, four percentage points higher, and she's also able to to come up. And what's crazy is that she's doing this. Coming off the bench, she's not a starter. She started a she started a, a handful of games last season. I I don't think she started any this year. I could be wrong. Um, she might have done one. She I might have started. I think Which she might have started. Yeah, she started one game, but in her career high twenty three points, I'm pretty sure it was against Houston. She um, she, she came off the bench. And she hasn't played more than 20 minutes in any game this season. So for her to be able to to um, to do that in such a short amount of time, she's 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 turned into one of college basketball's best microwave scorers. She's just able to come in there and light you up from beyond the arc. And she can get into the paint and 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 she has a really good floater game. Um, she's just been extremely impressive, and she she's a weapon for USF coming off the bench. I think what I really like about her game is that I don't know if she ever, like, had less confidence or it just didn't show as much, but I feel like she's shooting that thing with just reckless abandon. Now, even against Tulane, they won by, I think, around 20 points. She she shot four for 12 from uh, from three. She actually didn't take a, a non-three-point shot in that game. But I think early in the first half, she was just pulling. Like, she got the ball and she was throwing it up. And I love it. Like, she's, she, there's a reason why she has that confidence. And, and you can tell she she has the confidence of her teammates and, and of Coach Fernandez. They they want her to take those shots because right. they know if she, if she starts feeling it, she can get on a run. And and that's bad news for the other team as Baylor, as Baylor found out when she just went in there and just – it just looked – it just looks so effortless. So she's her confidence is at an all-time high, and she 
she has the green light and as she should because she's one of the she's able to get a bucket whenever she wants to agreed so um she she's really one of my favorite players on this team because it's just so much fun to to watch her play um so moving on to my final category um is the midseason MVP. And we talked we touched upon it a little bit at the beginning of the of the episode. Um it's Elisa Pinzon. I really I really debated between Alyssa Pinzon and Bethy Mananga. I want to give special considerations to to Bethy because she's been fantastic as well. As we said, um this team has just been getting contributions from all over the place. But the reason I picked Elisa is because USF is the top offensive team in the AAC. They're averaging 71.6 points per game. And I don't think that that would be possible without Elisa Pinzon. She has been the floor general, the architect of this offense, and she she's just, she's ran it to near perfection. She's there to get a bucket for you if you need it. She'll find an open teammate. Like we said, she had 14 assists in one game, which is, which is crazy to, to even fathom. But she had 14 assists in one game. Um, she's she's averaging just nine point five points per game, which 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 does seem modest, but like we said, that doesn't tell the full story of her impact. She she finds open teammates. She plays defense. She's she's one of the top um, steal leaders in the game in, in the conference, um, and she also leads the conference in assists. So, whatever Coach Jose or her team has needed for her this season. She's been able to do it. And I think it's just, it's the confidence that she knows she has the reins now. You know, in the back, in the past, she's had Anna Pahadzic, who was on the team last year, and, and other, other guards. But now this is hers. Like, she has the keys to the offense, and she's been driving it, you know. She's got her driver's license, and she's just <laughs> running it, running it. No, yeah. And like you said, I think her impact... Obviously, like in the numbers, you're going to see it. She's leading the AAC in assists. But she just gets different people going. Like Maria Alvarez said it after her, um, I think, her career high uh, game. She said that Pinzon found her on the first play of the game. And from that moment on, she said she caught fire. She was she was feeling it the rest of the game. So I think she does a great job getting other people going, getting, you know, them in rhythm. Yeah, and, and that's especially important with USF because – USF has a lot of people that can get the ball in the basket, you know. Right. Alvarez, we mentioned. Um, Chinecki, Elena Chinecki has been phenomenal as well this year. Um, and somebody needs to get them the ball, and Elena has always been there to get them going. Um, she's always encouraging them to shoot. You see it on the court, like, encouraging them not to get their head down, keep doing what they're doing, because those shots are eventually going to fall for them, and they know it. She knows it. Um, so she's just been a real catalyst for this team and turning them into one of the best offenses in college basketball. Yep, 100%. And I think you ended your article with a grade, right? What was the, what was your final grade on the, uh, ha- on the halfway point of the season? So my final grade was a resounding A+, because it, to be the highest-ranked team in USF history, um, I don't think you deserve any grade less than an A+. Their only stumble came against the reigning national champions. And I'm I'm sure Coach Jose won't make an excuse for that game, but um they they really played their hearts out and came really close to knocking them off as well. So they've been 
nearly flawless on the season. Um, looking forward, you know, like we said earlier, we kind of don't know what the rest of the season will look like. They've had a couple games canceled in the last week or so because of um, COVID issues, but um, they got they got a, they even though they've looked dominant in the conference, they they've got a couple of their biggest tests coming up soon. So January twenty seventh. They face Temple at home. Temple's currently third in the conference. And then um, on February 7th, they go and take on UCF in the road on um, War on I-4 at UCF. And UCF's currently second in the conference. So that's, that's probably their biggest game in conference play. That will be their biggest game. And I think if they, um, if they pass those two tests, USF is likely knock on wood to go undefeated in conference play because from the teams that they've played so far, they just don't look like they can keep up with them. No, yeah. They've just they've just been playing great basketball, attractive basketball. Um it's it's been really fun to watch these last couple of months. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, they still got Temple and UCF ahead of them. So the job's not done and I'm sure they know that a 100% coach knows that they're they'll be fine. They're gonna stay focused. It's just they can't can't take their foot off the gas now. Like I usually wouldn't, you know, tell people to to pay for subscriptions to things, but if you want to see something really great, get yourself an ESPN Plus subscription because this team is so much fun to watch and and you want to be along for the ride because this could be a deep season for USF. For sure. And that kind of wraps up what we were going to say about the women's team. If we want to move on to the men now. For the men, this is the article that I had written. The yeah, men's me... game of the year. for um, I had when they beat Wofford 58-56 in early December, December 2nd. Uh, it was just such a close game. And it was probably, I don't know if it was, no. It wasn't Jameer Chaplin's best individual performance of the game, uh, of the season. But it was his best performance. It was his most clutch performance. Because they were down uh, eight with 15 minutes left, and they they needed some they needed someone to get something going. It was a close first half, back and forth, but they needed something to to spark them. And Jameer Chaplin, he scored all eight of his points, pulled in all eight of his rebounds in the final 15 minutes. He was all over the place off the bench, and with a minute 43 to go, it was um the the score was tied, and then they went scoreless all the way down until there was 19 seconds left. And who else but Chaplin got the ball, hit the eventual uh, eventual game winner, and they beat Wofford 58 to 56. And it was also Coach BG's uh, 300 career win, and it brought him back to 500 on the year. So it was just a lot of great things happened that game. Yeah, um, I know we're gonna talk about Chaplin a little bit later in the pod, but I cannot say enough good things about how he how he played in that game and how he's played for. For, for a lot of the season, he's just been a real energy guy whenever he gets on the court. He just he just moves different, you know what I'm saying? He gives them a little bit of extra bounce. He, he plays great defense, um, has a crazy vert, jumps super high. He's so much fun to watch. So he, he's been playing really good all season, and in particular that game, and um, played really well. For sure. And then... Um... Going to not the poor performance, the heartbreak of the year. Uh, USF when they fell to Wichita State, eighty-two to seventy-seven, on December twenty-second. 
This one, it looked like it was just going to be a standard loss. They were down, what was it? I want to say six, yeah, six points with like 30 seconds remaining. And it looked over. And then Justin Brown hit a three. I think David Collins might have hit a three. And then he, Collins he was, he was fouled down. on a three-point shot. Right, right, yeah. He was coming down the floor, and he had a guy trailing him. And he stopped and pulled up, and the guy ran into him from behind. Mm-hmm. I think he made the first, missed the second, made the third to uh, send it into overtime. And that was just, that was, that was nuts. I remembered, I, I was, I was speechless. And unfortunately in overtime, the Shockers, they jumped out to an early like five point lead and then they held on to it for the rest of the way. So that kind of put a damper on things. And not only did the loss itself hurt, it also, the Bulls were riding a, um, a four game win streak. And that snapped it. So that that sucked. That's that was bad. I think that game was was really just embodied kind of what this team has been this year. It's kind of been a maddening um, inconsistency because they're right there. They were right there, and on top of that, people forget, but they led by double digits in the first half. Mm. It kind of looked like it was going to be a blowout USF's way. Like they were they were playing really attractive basketball in the first half, knocking down shots, playing really stifling defense against um against Wichita, who who couldn't even get their 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 top scorer, um Tyson Etienne, who at the time was the leading scorer in the conference. They couldn't get him going. I, I'm pretty sure he went into halftime with like two points or he was definitely in single digits. So USF was looking pretty nice. But then they kind of let U.S. Um, Wichita get a run right before halftime, and Wichita carried that momentum into the second half and looked like they were going to run away with it. But then USF got their act together in the final five minutes, three minutes, to to get themselves back um, with the shot to win the game. But it was just one of the most roller coaster games that I've ever experienced. Um, you know, David Collins had had a he had a he had an inconsistent performance as well because in the in the first half he just really couldn't get going, but then um, in the second half was oh, nearly their hero, almost won them the game. So it, it it just like really embodied the inconsistencies that we see from this team, but you saw a lot of the potential of if they can get it together what they could be. Right, so, I think that's I think that's the biggest word for them this year: inconsistency. And like you said, this game was that. Um, then moving on to the surprise of the year, you mentioned, I I mentioned him earlier and you touched on the fact that we would talk about him later. Jameer Chaplin, um, he's much improved from last year. Last year, he didn't play much. Uh, I think he, yeah, he appeared in 19 games. He's, he averaged under a point, so didn't really have much of an impact. But then this year he's, he's getting playtime. He started, uh, he started his first career game against Florida Gulf coast and you know, his stats aren't eye-popping, and you're not going to see them and think, like, wow, like, this guy was a surprise. I think he's averaging, uh, yeah, 5.6 points and 3.3 rebounds. But he just gets timely buckets and, like you said, his energy and has a, an impact off the, in the, of, excuse me, an impact on the game off the bench. So I just think he's been really important. He, when he comes off the bench, it's just, like, you see how much he wants it. Like, last year he didn't. Like you said, he didn't play that much. He wasn't utilized that much by BG. But this year, he he's just 
as an on-ball defender, he's been one of USF's best defenders. And then he just gives them something different, you know, gives them a different look. Needs to improve his shooting a little bit, but that could be said for a lot of the roster. But um, yeah, he's been he's been really good at and and a nice breakout player because after David Collins leaves, um, it could be um, Jameer Chaplin, Xavier Castaneda, and and Caleb Murphy um, running it soon. You know, with with the outgoing seniors this year, so he's been he's had a really nice season. Right, and he also logged his uh, career high. He had 16 against Tulsa, so shout out to him for that. And then the last category here is the MVP, and I struggled with this one. If I wanted to give it to Collins or Yetna, I went back and forth on it for a little bit. First, I had Collins, and I was thinking about Yetna, and I think I couldn't not give it to Collins because I think Yetna, he's still coming back. His freshman year, you know, he came onto the scene and hit the ground running, didn't skip a beat got hurt last year. And then this year he's still, he's, he's coming back. He's added a little bit more of a three point game, but I just think what David Collins has been able to do and like really initiate the offense is why I got him as the MVP. And he, like we said, he struggled with inconsistency this year. Um, I, I forgot what game it was. It might've been against Memphis. I think he was held to two points or something. And then he turned around and had a really good game. Like we said, against Wichita State, he had a, a strong second half. So he's been inconsistent. But overall, I think he's been good. He's he's playing better de- – not better. He's playing good defense. Uh, he's shooting from the, uh, the ball from three really well. He's averaging 12 a game, four rebounds, four assists. Like I said, on defense, he's going to steal in a half a game. Free throws are still an issue. But he makes up for it in other ways. And I think he really is – this team's leader, especially with LaQuincy Rideau uh, leaving last year. And even Coach BG talked about it in a um, in a media availability. He said, you know, we need David. He's the guy, not the guy. He is one of the guys. We we desperately need him. He's a leader. So I just I think he's really important. And I think if they're going to have any hope of making any, if the season even comes back, because, you know, today it just got announced that um, the Cincinnati game on January 30th got postponed. So if and when they do come back, if they're gonna make want to make any type of run, it's gonna be largely on the back of Collins. He's gonna he's gonna have to be the guy. Yeah, um, he he has been at moments he's been really great. Like against UCF, he really showed out. He had nineteen points, seven assists, eight rebounds, just a total performance, and really basically put USF on his back in that game. But then you look at his game log and he he had he has games where he has four points against Memphis. He has six points against FGCU. You know, and then he's held to 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 no points against Tulsa in 19 minutes. So it's like and that was right after he had that great game against UCF. So he's just it's kind of been maddening to see that because two years ago he was USF star you know it was him and LaQuincy Rito and he just took over that that um, college basketball invitational tournament and led USF to the championship but I don't know what's what's happened to him this year he just he's had a great season but he, I think he knows um, 
Brian Gregory knows and, and the fans know as well that he, that he could be playing better right now. But he, he, he has been the team's MVP. Um, he's, he's there to make the big shots when they need it. And, and they've been in a lot of close battles where they've, where they've needed him to make the big shots and he's been able to do it. Yeah, for sure. So. And I think his highs have been, like you said, his highs have been really high and his lows have been low. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think he, like you said, he knows he can do it. it it's in him. And it, if they're going to make a run, like I said, it's going to be a lot about him. And I think he is more than capable. Yeah. And I think, um, I think Yetna still, still working his way back into it um, has kind of affected him a little bit because in that first year um, with him and Yetna together and I want to say the 2018-2019 season, um, Yetna, I think, really helped his development because it'd be a lot of pick and pops with those two and it would really free up the lane for, for, for David Collins who isn't a great shooter, so he but he's a great slasher. He can get to the rim, make acrobatic layups. So um, when Yetna was at full strength, I think that was when DC was at his best because it freed up a lot of things for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year since Yetna was out and this year since Yetna is still kind of recovering from the from the ACL tear, it's, it's kind of hindered him a little bit as well. But um, yeah, I think if, if Yetna is able to get it going and, are they able to get into a rhythm? Um, he he could he could be dangerous again down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And I also I wanted to touch on because it almost sounds, especially with like how we we're talking about the women's team, and then we go to the men. It almost sounds like we're talking about them so negatively. And I like I want to stretch. They're seven and five. I think they're um, yeah. they're whatever three and three in conference play. So they're not bad like at any stretch of the way. Yeah, no. And they've lost two really close conference games that we were talking about where it kind of slipped away at the end. So if those game, if the ball bounces the other way, they're nine and three, five and one in conference play. And the narrative about them is totally different. So yeah, they're, they're um, seventh in the conference right now, but they, they could easily be a top three team in the conference right now. If it wasn't for, for a couple of close losses that they faced, um, they could easily than, be a top three seed. Yeah. They're, they're more than capable. I think I think it's been a question of BG has had a lot of new pieces mm-hmm. and you know Caleb Murphy trying to work them into the fold and um, Luke Anderson, Russell Tachua, Printo Duro, um, and and Lex and Yetna coming back as well. He's been having to you know handle a bunch of new personnel coming in and I think they're still trying to you know get those lineups right, um, the rotation right because just off talent this team this team. C- could and should be a top three or four seed in the league. Um, we'll see how this hiatus, this pause in activities due to COVID um, will affect them and, and the women's as well, because I feel like basketball is such a, such a rhythm sport where you need to be playing and having a feel of the game like night in and night out and not having played in, in you know, over a week, who knows how that's going to affect the coming out. Um, They'd be sluggish, you know. All their activities have been possible. That means practice as well, so they're not getting in practices. So we'll we'll see what the rest of the season looks like for them if if they if they'll finish out the season. But that is definitely a concern for both teams um, if they're not able to get these reps in going into the final stretch of the season. Yeah, and I think what you said about the hiatus is important because 
not only are they not playing games, at least, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure for both, definitely for the men, because all activities have been paused. They're not practicing. And the men, it's going to be close to a month before they get back onto the floor. And the yeah. women maybe a little earlier, um, because they played on the 13th and they haven't had their game. The men had got their game on the 30th canceled. But they're not practicing. They're not playing together. So I think that's important. But to wrap up uh, to wrap up the men's piece, the final grade on them, I gave them a B-. minus. I figured, you know, they were tabbed to finish, I think, fifth in the AAC in the coaches poll. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they're seventh couple. That's because some games got played and USF didn't get a chance to play, but they were fifth a day or two ago. So, you know, they're right there in line with what the coaches thought they'd do. That's pretty much all I got to say about them. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to, to what they'll be able to do in the final stretch of the season. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the hiatus has been tough because, once again, the new pieces, like maybe BG was just bringing that, figuring it out, and now they've had to take this break, and that could kind of throw it all into whack when they get back on the court again. But hopefully, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, there's we still have a lot of games left to play. Um, we don't know if they'll be rescheduled yet. They haven't let us know. But um, as of right now, there's a lot of basketball left to be played, and maybe they can make a run. You never know. Definitely. And yeah, it's pretty much all all I got. Um, like you said, hopefully they get we get a we get to reschedule some of these games, get a strong second half of the season for both teams and we'll be talking well about them by season's end. All right, and that'll kinda of wrap up everything we gotta say about the men and women's basketball teams. Just a little little note about the podcast. We're probably gonna to try to post bi weekly. This will hopefully get out on the twenty second or twenty third and then um skip the next week and then the following week after that post again. So hopefully we'll have a bi-weekly schedule and then maybe move it to weekly as we get a little bit more into the semester. A couple more sports ha- are, are happening beyond basketball. So yeah, we're very excited for this semester and we hope you guys stick with us and listen to the podcast. Thank you guys.